Yeah, as I mentioned, I was blessed. I've been blessed to have been born into a missionary family. And when I, uh, when I was three years old, we went to Malawi. Are you seeing it now? Okay, good, all right. And let me just say a few words about the history of Adventists in Malawi. Um, in 1902, the, the uh, Seventh-day Baptist mission called Plainfield Mission was purchased by the Adventist Church. You remember that the General Conference was reorganized 1901-1902 for the purpose of mission. And uh, Elder A.G. Daniels was the dynamic leader of the church in mission at that time. And he, uh, he made a speech and he mentioned the country of Nyasaland uh, specifically. Nyasaland was the old name uh, of the country which became Malawi when it gained, became independent. And, and so they bought that mission from the Seventh-day Baptist and they sent a, uh, an African-American family, uh, Thomas Branch and his family went to start Malamua Mission and another person named James Booth uh, joined them. Uh, they, later, the, the name was changed to Malamulo Mission, which is, means commandment me, or, or law mission. Uh, his, the daughter started a school in 1905. Uh, seven boys were baptized from the school uh, that they had. In, in 1915, a clinic was started there with a nurse named Irene Faree. Uh, Dr. Birkenstock came along as the first physician and then uh, specialized care uh, for leprosy patients was started in 1926. And so these are pictures of uh, the early work at Malamulo. On the left there is the small church, the little church, the first one that was built. And on the right, uh, the, the, the larger church with a grass roof Later, it was given a permanent roof, as you see in the picture uh, down below. Um, today's Malamulo Hospital is like that. And um, I, the other version I had has some more pictures of the leper colony that was, that was developed. Leprosy was a major problem um, in that era. And so the, the colonial government had major public health pro programs to address leprosy. And uh, one, uh, but not only the colonial programs, it was also the missions who, who uh, worked with, with leprosy patients. And so this, is, this report is actually uh, from um, the colonial government uh, mentioning the, the, the Adventist mission. This is from 1928. We are treating 105 patients we discharged uh, 11 patients this month so far as we know they are free from all infection I ordered them to report every three months for examination you will be very interested to know that the Malamulo colony recently discharged 11 more patients who have been pronounced cured this makes a total of about 25 been discharged from this colony since it began to operate. I think that it is a fairly good record considering the obstinacy of this disease, 1928. Now, um, the word colony, just a, word, a comment on the word colony. Of course, 
Nyasland was a colony, but it's not using the word in that sense. Uh, the, the leprosy patients would have trouble living in their villages. They would have some of the social rejection that was there even in biblical times. And for public health reasons too, it was good that they're not associated so that they could spread the disease. And so uh, both at Malamulo and later at Mwami Adventist Mission, uh, a few hundred miles away, uh, colonies were developed, meaning little villages where they would come. The front page of the review uh, in 1939 had this picture. The other pictures, I, I had some better pictures to show you that, that I lost on the previous version that disappeared into cyberspace somewhere. But this is the front cover of the review talking about the Malamulo leper colony. What it was is a row of typical huts of the time, mud huts with grass roofs, and they had their own church, they had their own little medical clinic, they were served by medical people from the main hospital, which was maybe a half mile away, and it was a little colony that gave the best available care for lepers. <clears throat> this now coming forward to 1957 when my family and I were in Malawi, this is Dr. Jack Harvey, a famous Adventist doctor. And here he is discharging, uh, uh, discharging uh, Mrs. Um, Ruth Caferi, who had been a patient for 30 years and now was found to be free of her leprosy. Another physician by the name of Rick Foster did specialty work. Uh, with uh, Trans-Africa Leprosy Rehabilitation and Research Service. This is a, from the Adventist Review of 1975. And it, you see the, the, the picture of his, of his airplane there. In 1975, there were about 10 million leprosy patients globally and about 4 million in Africa. By 1980, the uh, the number was down to f about 5 million, and by 2016, the number is down to under 200,000 globally from World Health Organization numbers. And the secret was early diagnosis and effective, inexpensive drugs that uh, really cleared the, this, this major health problem in a hurry. And so Talrez, uh, served six different nations. Dr. Ray Foster had an aircraft that he flew to 11 different hospitals, and there in the 70s, he would go and do reconstructive surgery for those who had already uh, lost a, a part of their, their body uh, and were suffering different ways uh, from, from leprosy. Um, the, the Malamulo colony was replaced by outpatient treatment and sometime in the 70s, it was closed. And today, you'll find some of the same buildings that are used for a different purpose, but uh, the leper colony is no longer there. Praise the Lord, there is outpatient treatment so that when people are found to have leprosy, they're given the medicine, and they, don't, they really don't lose their limbs like they used to. Now, what does it look like? And I don't know. Um, if you're going to be jarred by uh, pictures, uh, then prepare yourself because I, I have some graphic pictures here. This is what leprosy looks like. 
Um, leprosy itself is called Hansen's disease. And what happens with Hansen's disease is that people lose the, the uh, nerve sensations in their thumb, in their hands, in their feet. And so women who are cooking food over the fire will, will un unknowingly put their fingers into the fire and burn, burn their fingers off and, and injure themselves in, in different ways. It, it, it is, it is a, a drastic thing. Um, as a child, I saw these, I, we used to see these sorts of people around frequently. We would visit the leper colony. My dad would, uh, would preach in their church. He would, he would go to their camp meeting. And uh, interestingly, interestingly, he was, the, uh, the physicians advised that it was not easily transmittable. And dad would shake hands at the door with patients, leper patients, as he did in any other church service. And the only thing is that the physicians told him, just be sure to wash your hands really carefully and thoroughly because it's prolonged intimate contact that would, that would transmit the, the disease. But as a child, I remember dad talking, uh, telling me what it felt like to have a hand uh, with no fingers put out to shake hands with. But those are God's people too. They also need to have their hands shaken, even though not much, much hand remains. Well, now we're coming closer to the Bible text uh, today, uh, for today. I've been in more of a mission story up till now. Uh, you poke me anywhere and a mission story comes out, mission comes out. I am a missionary through and through. I was born into a missionary family. My grandfather was a missionary and my my, we've been missionaries, my children have been. And this is one of the great gifts to us. But we need to kind of use this perspective to help us understand the wonder of what Jesus did when he did, uh, when he did his, his miracles. In the ancient world, it was widespread and endemic. Um, archaeologists have found it in skeletons back to 3000 BC, you know, before the time of Abraham. They have, they have found it in evidence in, in the deformations of skeletons that they, that they have dug up. It was considered the most terrible of all diseases. Uh, it afflicted the old and the young, male and female, rich and poor, upper class, lower class, slaves and slave owners alike. It didn't matter, it cut through every, every strata of society. It attacks every part of the body and destroys the mind, can destroy the mind. Um, it was a kind of terrible progressive death in which man dies by inches. Josephus said that lepers were treated as if they were in fact, in fact already dead men. <coughs> in the book of Leviticus, there are two chapters, 13 and 14, that talk about leprosy. And go ahead and read that this afternoon, but just, just to remind yourself of what the Bible says about leprosy. But let's look at a, at a few. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot and it turns into a case of leprous disease, 
on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons and priests, and the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. Now, what follows is a detailed diagnostic procedure. They have specific times were, were, were spelled out, and they were, look, they were supposed to look for the color and the, and the texture and the spread of the, of the lesion on the person's body. Really, it, it, it's quite impressive. It's, it, was, it was in a pre-scientific era, but it was really kind of a scientific approach that the priest would follow in studying the progress of that disease to see whether it was getting better or not. The reason they had to study it so closely is that not everything that Moses is referring to is Hansen's disease. There are all kinds of skin diseases, as we know, and some of them will go away by themselves, or after a while they'll go away, and others, others will be more serious, like Hansen's disease. I remember as a child often getting uh, ringworm. Ringworm was probably uh, uh, one of those that Moses was thinking about. Um, I, I played with uh, the African boys uh, all my life growing up. I'm an only child, and we lived in places where, uh, we, we di where we didn't have other missionary kids to play with. And so I, from morning to night, I played with my African friends, and sometimes we would give each other ringworm. And it would be on our legs, often on our legs. My mother had a little ointment, and when she would see, the, see it, or sometimes on our scalp, then she would get that ointment and rub it in, rub it in. So I suppose if I had lived in, in the time of Moses, then my mother would have found that little ringworm on me, and she might have had to send me to the priest to check me out to see, to see what, how that ringworm progressed. So my, the point is, it's more than, than just uh, the Hansen's disease that's involved. And so there were detailed instructions for, cleaning, for cleansing. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. Hair hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. So his hair is shaggy, it's falling down, and he's going around saying, unclean, unclean, like that. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp of Israel. A very serious and a disastrous thing to be a leper in ancient times. So these mosaic laws had two purposes. One was a public health purpose, a wonderful thing. When we, we talked about the Sabbath this morning and manna in the Sabbath. Well, this was a public health uh, purpose to, to prevent the spread of disease. The other was to maintain ritual purity under the ceremonial and sacrificial uh, sanctuary system. Um, and so here comes Jesus, Jesus, the healer. Matthew chapter 4 says, And he went through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction 
among the people. Healing was a, leprosy was a regular part of Christ's ministry. Uh, and there are some specific cases that are mentioned. There is Simon the leper. There are the ten lepers who stood at a distance. And there is the leper who came to Jesus after the Sermon on the Mount. And that's the one we're talking about today. So picture the Sermon on the Mount if you can. Cheryl and family and I were there a few years ago. We don't know exactly if that was the same place, but there by the Sea of Galilee, there is a, there is a hillside that is said to be the place where Jesus gave this wonderful sermon that's recorded in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and onwards. <coughs> Excuse me. And <clears throat> so I imagine those people standing on, listening, hearing him without a PA system, trying to catch every word, those wonderful sayings of Matthew chapter 5. And then the sermon's finished, the teaching's finished. Now the master starts departing, and they're going down the mountainside towards the Sea of Galilee. The people are still following, and then something happens. Now you see, you see uh, on here why I was changing the versions. This has uh, two African the, the text in two African languages, because last time I preached it, it was to the Malawian church there at Bering Springs in Niles. So I assume you can't read the last two verses there. But let's read, let's notice together the English. When Jesus came down the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately he was cleansed. Think of what that meant to have, for the crowd to have observed the leper coming towards them. And here he is with his shaggy hair and his raggedy clothes, and he's covering his upper lip, and he's saying, unclean, unclean. And he's probably with his head down, down he's, he's, he's making his way. He has heard that this is the one who heals lepers. And, and he wants to get close, and people are just making a, spreading a, a way for him so that he can walk between the people. And he approaches Jesus saying, unclean, unclean. And so let's look at the text a little bit more, more closely here. The leper came to him and bowed low before him. The leper had heard of who Jesus was, and he bowed low in worship. There on the, on the mount uh, where Jesus had been teaching. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And this is one of the most striking lines in the text. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, it was something when my dad stretched out his hand and shook the hand 
of a leper in Malawi when I was a, uh, when I was a kid. That was something, but dad had that assurance in his mind from the physicians that this was safe to do, just that he must wash his hands really well afterwards. But here's Jesus. Now Jesus knew he was going to cure that leprosy, um, but still he was a Jew. He was born within that culture. He was a real true Jew, not a pretend Jew. He was raised with all the laws of Moses, which he had given himself. And he knew how the people were responding. And, and from the people's point of view, the observer's point of view, to come along and to stretch out his hand towards people who looked like those pictures that I just show you, saw you, that I just showed you, to reach out there and act like you're going to touch him, touch that leper, was an amazing thing. So William Barclay says to a Jew, there would be no more amazing sentence in the New Testament than the simple statement, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched the leper. Who would ever do such a thing? Nobody touches a leper. It is unthinkable. It is unthinkable. And he said, I am willing. Be cleansed. I'm willing. Be cleansed. Katharizai. Uh, and immediately the leper, see, was cleansed. Now let's look at this word, uh, this Greek word, katharizo. It means to, to, to make clean, to cleanse. Okay, from physical stains and dirt. So it would be used for washing the dishes, utensils of food, or to cleanse a leper, to cleanse by curing, to remove by cleansing. In a moral sense, to, to free from the defilement of sin and from faults, to purify from wickedness, to free from guilt of sin, to purify, to consecrate by cleansing or purifying, to consecrate or to dedicate, to pronounce clean, in the Levitical sense. This is a powerful word, katarizo, cleanse. It's hard to capture that in the English word alone. But this is a big and a powerful word. To say that Jesus cleansed the leper is a huge a statement because so many things were involved. Let's notice the dimensions of Christ's cleansing. It was, first of all, intensely, intensely personal. He had been teaching th those perhaps thousands of people. They had all been a pay paying attention to him. And now he focuses his, his wonderful, powerful, loving gaze on one person. And it's as if there are no other people around. And he's looking only at that one person, the poor leper, and he's touching him. And it's physical. Now, we don't know the exact nature of the ailment. As I said, the law of Moses probably covered many skin diseases, uh, maybe including some of these, impetigo, psoriasis, eczema, extreme acne and ringworm, things like that, and Hansen's disease, it, that, that's there. So you know, one, one could guess, one could theorize that it was indeed Hansen's disease, but the, the scripture doesn't make, make that clear to us. But it was physical. It was physical. Whatever was there was, was cleansed, was cleansed. Did that mean that if, he, if some fingers were missing, that the, king, that the fingers came back? I don't know. 
I, my, my opinion is that if a, if a person was healed and cleansed, one can indeed, even today, people live without fingers. My father-in-law was missing some fingers that he lost in, in, a, in an accident. And, and so one can live without fingers. But if, if the leprosy was gone, that was, that was indeed the thing. There was also moral, ethical uh, cleansing from sin that was involved. And there was a ceremonial sin. Uh, from that point forward now, uh, he would have been examined by the priests and he would now have access to the temple, to the synagogue, so that he could go in and worship alongside everybody else like he had wanted to for so many years. Scripture doesn't say how long that, that one person had had, had had leprosy. And in his social uh, relational uh, uh, dimension, he was healed there because his, with his family and his community, the relationships uh, were, were restored. And so I see some, some major lessons, some major lessons in this story. The first is the extreme seriousness of sin. You know, leprosy is a great symbol for what sin is. Um, possibly you're aware of it that the scriptures, the concept of sin uh, as presented in the scripture in Christianity presents it as much more serious than the other major world religions. In Islam, for example, the, they, they know they also have the story of Adam and Eve uh, and the, the, the fall in, in Eden. But the fall in Eden in Islam is more of just a, a, a childish mistake. Like the child dropped the dish and oh well, Allah is merciful, God is merciful. And uh, the other religions do not see sin the way Christians see sin, the, the way the Bible teaches sin. Even we as Christians sometimes forget how sinful sin is. Even I do that. You know, it's just not something to mess with. It is, it is so drastic. And leprosy is a, is a wonderful reminder to all of us as to how serious a sin is. But the second reminder is the extreme power of God to cleanse the sinner. If Jesus could heal the leper, then he can also forgive the sinner. And you and I are there. Um, once again, Christianity understands human sinfulness in a different way. People in other religious traditions will say, hey, don't call me a sinner. I never murdered somebody. And we as Christians know that even though I didn't murder somebody, even though I'm faithful to my wife, even though I'm not a thief, et cetera, et cetera, there is that thing within me, that sinfulness within me that makes me think self-centered in a self-centered way and um, makes me be un-Christ-like. Un but God is so powerful that he can cleanse even me, even me, and even you, just like he healed the leper. <clears throat> the work of Christ in cleansing the leper from his terrible disease is an illustration of his work in cleansing the soul from sin, says Ellen White. The man who came to Jesus was full of leprosy. 
Its deadly poison permeated his whole body. The disciples sought to prevent their master from touching him, for he who touched a leper became himself unclean. But in laying his hand upon the leper, Jesus received no defilement. His touch imparted life-giving power, and the leprosy was cleansed. Thus it is with the leprosy of sin, deep-rooted, deadly, and impossible to be cleansed by human power. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and the putrefying sores. Makes you think of leprosy, doesn't it? And Jesus can heal all that. But Jesus came to dwell in humanity, receives no pollution. His presence has healing virtue for all, was healing virtue for, uh, for, the, for the sinner. The third lesson, sowing and reaping. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, one will also reap. However, the experiences of life are not necessarily direct and calibrated results of either good deeds or bad deeds. Here's where Christianity differs from the other religions. The other religions say you get what you deserve. No more, no less. Bad deeds and good deeds are put on a scale and whichever side goes down, well, that's what you get. Sick person, well, the leper must have done something really evil because he had leprosy, otherwise he wouldn't, wouldn't have leprosy. This is, this is not the view of Christianity. Morally good people sometimes suffer more than morally wicked people. Uh, wrong, it's wrong to conclude when we see others suffering that they must have hidden sins. I, you know, you have, you have your own examples, I think, that you could, you could bring forth here. Uh, only God knows the heart. But I have some, I have beloved friends and acquaintances who suffer so much and who are such visibly wonderful, good people. And uh, suffering is just part of, of humanity. The leper in the story was not necessarily a greater sinner than any of, the, uh, any of the others. It just so happens that he contracted the disease. The fourth lesson, not all suffering is caused by curses and evil spirits. But if it is, God can rescue, heal, and save the, sin, the sufferer, even if it would be caused by evil powers. The text does not suggest that leprosy was caused by the curses of other people or by the leper's involvement with evil powers. But Christ was, is equally powerful for suffering that is caused by germs and bacteria or by evil powers. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. And the fifth lesson, um, we learn something in this story about the nature of true faith. The centurion in the next story also teaches the same lesson about true faith. Faith is a simple, is simple, 
It's like a child asking mom or dad for a banana. Can I have a banana? That's, that's what childlike faith is like. Faith is not a matter of having beautiful prayers or precise spiritual formulas to, to, to execute. It is not trying to hype oneself up into a fever pitch of emotions to, make, to, to, to get God's blessings. I've actually known a few people like that. If I can just want it hard enough, my child needs to be, heal, be, be healed. I, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, let me get emotional enough about it. Maybe that will kind of make Christ heal the one that I want to be healed. But it's, it's not that way. Faith is submissive. It's not manipulative. The leper didn't come along with arguments to, to, as to why Jesus should, should heal him. He just said, if you choose, you can heal me. Faith is not trying to add conviction upon conviction until, until God is, is, obligated, is obligated to do what we ask. The strongest faith and the best obedience do not produce an obligation that God has to fulfill. The child of God comes and says, yes, Lord, this is my request. I know you can fulfill it. I trust you to do your will for me. And so we've talked about leprosy today. and We've talked about sin. We talked about the mission field. We talked about uh, uh, mission work among lepers. And I'm glad to say today that if you, um, if you were to go to back to Malamula Hospital, you won't, you won't uh, find any leper colony because it's not needed anymore. But there is still a very powerful, powerful uh, medical work that the Adventist Church is doing in the country of Malawi to the present day and uh, to, God's, to, to God's glory. But you know the central part of our little time together is about God's love for us and his, his ability to heal us uh, and to forgive our sins, to give us the strength we need, and to prepare, for, prepare us for his kingdom. May God bless us towards that end. Amen.